0: Hello, fellow Kentuckians and other friends, and welcome to a new edition of my Old Kentucky Podcast. My name is Robert Connie, and joining me, as always, is Jasmine Smith. Jasmine, how are you today?
1: I'm doing all right. I think I'm getting to that point in the session where I'm just getting increasingly frustrated because of all the bad bills, but... I'm making it. How are you,
0: Robert? Yeah, you know, it's it's going to get worse. It's going to get know, worse. I know, it is. And, and it that's is. the thing I've like had to steal myself for, is like, what are we doing here? And it's like, these are all really bad. And then I'm just like, they're all going to pass, and so are a bunch of other bad things that we don't even know about yet. Uh, and yeah, like,
1: we're at the point right now where stuff is starting to pass out a committee or pass a chamber, and we're also at the point where the bill finally filing deadline is coming so like we're getting like flurries of like horrible crap getting filed too and so i'm seeing all of it i'm like this is the bad place
0: (laughs) the kentucky legislature is in fact the bad place that's very true uh all right well we do have stuff we're going to talk about some of these bills that jasmine is alluding to here uh three bad bills uh that we're going to talk about uh Jasmine's got one about child labor. Uh she's got another one about religious liberty. I'm going to be talking about one uh about education and guns, a great combination which everyone loves. Uh and then in addition to these bad bills that we're talking about, we're also going to talk a little bit about Jamie Comer, uh who's got he's had a pretty busy week. Uh, a lot of interesting stuff has been happening to him. We're going to be talking everybody to everybody about that, catching everybody up on what's going on in case you haven't been too, paying too close of attention to, you know, the national side of politics. And then um, yeah, just one quick hit about anthony piagentini in his trial that is ongoing so without any further ado jasmine talk to us about how awesome child labor is <laughs> all
1: right so this bill is has been out there for a little bit um, in the news and everything but we hadn't really talked about it yet so we're going to talk about how the house is trying to roll back some child labor laws So House Bill 255 is sponsored by Philip Pratt, who is in Georgetown. It would loosen child labor laws for 16 and 17 year olds. So they're currently limited to working six hours on a school day and eight hours on a non-school day and up to 30 hours during a school week. This bill would remove those restrictions on 16- and 17-year-olds and prevent our State Department of Workplace standards from promulgating regulations that are stricter than the federal standards. Philip Pratt said, Our current statutes and regulations unnecessarily restrict the number of hours needed to work, often preventing them from seeking an opportunity to help them pay for college, learn new skills, and prepare for the future. Criticisms of the bill... Include this bill would open the door for exploitation of children, um, forcing them to work a lot more, Um, choosing work, allowing kids to like choose work over if they're not being exploited by adults, um, allowing, you know, minors whose brains aren't developed to choose work over education and increase student dropout rates and it, you know it can also allow teens wh- when they can work longer hours they can work in jobs that might have more dangerous or hazardous conditions and so there's a lot of criticisms of a bill like this and i i thought the debate about this bill there were some interesting quotes from it rachel roberts who is is, is not running for reelection and um you know a, a lot of people who aren't running again are you know just saying what they feel <laughs> she, she called both it a sides, d- yes absolutely yeah she called it a dumb bill which it is um but she asked pratt if he had consulted the department of education about the bill and he said they didn't reach out to him so she asked, did you reach out to them? And he said, no, this is a Department of Labor bill. So she asked, did you reach out to the Department of Labor? And he said, nah. So that's nice. And then um, Representative, another Republican representative, Matthew Koch, re- essentially said that Democrats are making it out like we're putting kids in the coal mines And he wishes there were as strong opinions about kids who are staying up all night playing Fortnite.
0: So, there's that one. Okay. I mean, not to say that there aren't. Like, I don't know. Like, I'm sure there's a lot of people who have opinions about kids playing up, staying Fortnite, playing Fortnite as well. Like, I don't know. Yeah,
1: I bet... I bet there are Democrats who also don't want kids staying up all night playing Fortnite. Yeah,
0: it's like, it's not one or the other. It's like, man, if you don't support this bill, you support kids playing Fortnite all night. Like, no, that's not how this works at all. Yeah. Yeah.
1: There were actually several Republicans who opposed this bill. If, you know, we know the makeup is in the House is 80-20 right now. Is that right?
0: Yeah, that's right.
1: Yeah and the vote was 60 to 36. many of the city republicans were the ones who voted against the measure Um, republicans in louisville or pieces of louisville lexington including like kevin bratcher jason nemus susan witten john hodgson killian timoney among a few others um, but then there were also Republicans outside of Louisville and Lexington from several different areas in the state who voted against it as well, like Scott Lewis in Somerset, John Blanton, who's in eastern Kentucky, like not McGoffin, part of Pike County, Jim Gooch in western Kentucky, um, and Nick Wilson in Laurel and Whitley County. So there were really Republicans, even though the majority of them were Louisville, Lexington, and I think a Bowling Green. Um, there were Republicans in more rural areas of the state who voted against this bill
0: as well. Kind of interesting uh, to like heavily uh uh too heavily coal mining dependent areas and like not McGoffin pike which is that's like Mm -hmm. that is like the the most coal you know most culturally coal place and then also uh representative gooch that area is the western kentucky coal fields um you know saying we're going to put kids in the coal mines but also these are the areas that are probably the most sensitive to labor issues um in in rural areas in kentucky and then you know the old fifth like somerset and then laurel whitney county is kind of interesting for sure like that that is kind of like uh, you know, an area that's adjacent to some coal mining areas.
1: Yeah, definitely. Majority Whip Jason Nemus said that he voted no because he would like to limit 16 and 17-year-olds to 30 hours a week. So keeping that 30 hours a week limit that we currently have and a no later than 10.30 on school nights rule, which would make the bill a little bit better. Um So that's that's the bill that we've got that passed the house and you know I I am super pro teenagers working because I started working when I was 15 and I think it was just a great way to gain life skills it's A pro social activity it can keep kids out of trouble when they have a job and can make their own money i think teens working is great but allowing kids to work late into the night and not capping hours during school weeks i don't like that like
0: yeah i i totally agree with you jasmine you know we both we both have worked. We both worked similar jobs when we were teens too. This is something we've talked about before. We yeah, we worked.
1: we were both restaurant workers. Yeah,
0: we were both. I was I was I was slinging pizza. You were slinging wings. We were. <laughs> we were doing yeah, it all.
1: I was I was slinging barbecue, and I I did work. You know, I worked about twenty five hours a week, um, all through high school, and I I do think it's a, it's a really good thing, and and sometimes I think, um you know having a job and and doing that over some extracurricular activity can be a good thing um but rolling back child labor laws that <laughs> you know, the labor movement worked really hard to pass because of the exploitation of children. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, that's not a good thing. Yeah,
0: I, I totally agree. And and I think like my, my experience working, I agree. First of all, I agree with everything you said about about teenagers working. Like, I really think it was great for me. I think it would be great for everybody. There's a lot of reasons why I think it's a good idea. But I, I, I really benefited from from these regulations uh, like whenever I was working as a teenager there was mm-hmm. there was uh, a general manager at the place I worked who I you know like the dude is cool but he wasn't very good at it and uh you know I was one of the cooks who was like reliable I showed up to work uh, etc and and uh you know I was I was 16 17 years old and um, there were times when he was like man uh you know I gotta have somebody come in um on Thursday uh, uh, you know, can you close? And I was like, yeah, I'd be happy to. And then he's like, oh, man, you can't. You're not old enough. And you know, at the time, I was like, yes, absolutely, I want to do this because I want the extra, like, 40 bucks so I can buy the new Outcast CD. Looking back on it, (laughs) that would have been a terrible idea. Like, I needed that time to do homework, you know, and I, at the time, I was like, no, I would much rather, like, it's, it's, you know, protecting teenagers from themselves, and, like, you know, I don't understand who this is for. I don't understand, like, what the heck we're, like, what, who is it benefiting besides, like, small business owners who want to exploit children like who is the person that really benefits from this bill i do not think teenagers would really do a lot better working 40 hours instead of 30 or being able to stay past you know whatever like you know having a a later night like that's That's nuts. Like, it's just crazy to me that that, that's what they want to do. The regulations that we have in Kentucky are stricter than the the national regulations. And that's good because we're protecting kids. Mm -hmm. You know, at least we are for now. Um, It's one of those things where it's like, this seems insane. I don't understand the constituency that's being served by loosening these bills, like loosening these laws. Uh, And I certainly hope the Senate can at least do something about this. But we'll we'll see.
1: And, I mean, Republicans have also been on the thing about how children are struggling in school. Yeah. And so rolling back child labor protections, I, I don't think that's going to help our a- achievement yeah. <laughs> levels in school. And, you know, their position on passing this bill is parents still will have the choice to not let their kids work um but that's not how that works at all (laughs) right it's not some kids don't have the support of parent of their parents and some parents work in these businesses and will have their kids work in their businesses with them and and things like that and so um yeah this is not a good bill it's passed the house it will now go to the senate and so that's where we are with this one
0: yep Absolutely. All right. Let's move on to another bad bill, uh, SB two. Uh, okay, you know high low numbers of bills that usually indicates like a high priority. It's important. Yeah. So this to is to them. Yeah. Not, not to us. Not to us. Well, important for us to stop them sometimes. To, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, SB two is filed by Max Wise, who I would say is one of the more powerful members of the Senate. He's the chair of the Education Committee. Um, his bill would prevent would permit. Excuse me. His bill would permit guardians to act basically in place of SROs uh, or in place of police officers as SROs in schools. And and school school resource officer is what SRO stands for. Uh, And and that's basically like the cop that's in the school. Um, There's a lot of districts across the state who can't afford like a full-time police officer or there just isn't the there isn't somebody to do that job in the county or in that district or whatever um and so like there is a law that says right now that those those SROs have to be there that is it was passed in 2019 in the wake of the Marshall County School shooting um and yeah it's more than 600 schools across the state don't have one of these things that was like put into law Um, So, okay, these Guardians. Who are these Guardians? They can be – they have to be sworn officers, which the the bill does kind of stipulate that they are retired – Um, It it lists all these things and it's like retired, retired Uh, police officers, state troopers, military veterans, etc. Those people are sworn to uphold the law. There are several qualifications beyond being a sworn officer to become a guardian, including, you know, passing a background check, being licensed to carry a concealed firearm, passing a drug screen. There's a couple of others listed there as well. I think it's pretty important, I guess, that Guardians must complete 40 hours of SRO training. That's not the entire course that people have to take, but they have to take at least 40 hours of it. And they also have to pass a marksmanship exam. So, you know, they have to be good enough that they're not going to miss and hit the kids, I guess. I don't know. Uh, It is unclear to me whether or not Guardians are required to carry a gun. There was some reporting that I saw from Louisville Public Media that says they are not required to carry a gun. Uh, that was not clear to me in the bill, but that's what the reporting from LPM says. According to the bill sponsor, Max Wise, guardians are are not supposed to have a role in school discipline and are supposed to focus on school security. That that is that that isn't necessarily part of the bill, but that is what the the sponsor said was the goal of this. This program was put in place by Florida. Um, something similar to this, uh, it, it, you know, they. They came up with something like this in Florida, and now it's 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 coming to Kentucky. So you know, we got a bit of a discussion about this idea in the interim. And and Matt Koch, who is a Republican, Coke, I don't know, Coke Matt Koch. Yeah, I think that's right. Matt Koch. He is a Republican from Paris, um, north of Lexington, that area. Uh, and and he is, he's also a former Marine. Um, and he said in this interim committee where they were discussing this idea, quote, the role of someone who's walking in the mountains of Afghanistan versus the role of somebody who's walking the halls of Bourbon County Middle School are extremely, extremely different, unquote. That's a really good point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, that is that is, uh, you know, just because you are trained to handle a weapon does not mean you should around children all the time. Yeah, that's a uh, That's a really good point by, by Matt Koch, Matt Coke there, um, you know. We've talked about this ad nauseum, Jasmine, but having an SRO in every school isn't isn't a good idea. That's just uh, how how we feel about it. Uh, it. It it creates more harm than good, and a lot of the time, uh, it is not something that's conducive to education. In a lot of instances, it's not supported by most of the teachers that I know. Uh, not all, but but most of the teachers that I know do not like having a cop around all the time. So, that being said, if you're going to have an SRO, which you know, that's the law right now, I think lowering the standards of who can carry a gun in school is uh, is worse than having an SRO in every school. You know, if they are dead set, if the legislature is dead set on getting more weapons, getting more guns into schools, the least they can do is ensure that people carrying these weapons are well trained. Uh not just in how to carry the weapon, but in how to Interact with children and and how to, like, deal with school-age children and and provide security uh, for those places. You know, this bill is also – I've heard a lot of people talk about it saying, you know, this is a Trojan horse to get – like more guns in school uh, that is something that many Republicans have been pushing for teachers to, to carry guns for there to be even more guns in school um, this is this is on that track that this is getting more guns in school with people who are not necessarily police officers um, the bills that have kind of pushed for more guns in schools have not passed uh, the, the legislature in recent sessions but this would be uh, on on the list of those um, and, and it means it could mean um, you know more success for those types of bills in a future session so this bill is a real disaster to me um, you know it's just nothing good happening here uh, and, and you know solving a problem in the worst way possible solving a problem that you created uh, that was already solving a problem that does exist in the wrong way <laughs> I guess is one way to think about it
1: yeah I, I have a lot of questions so they must be sworn officers, but not sworn peace officers. So that means it it can be a military
0: yeah, absolutely. veteran
1: who's not trained as a law enforcement
0: right. officer. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: I think that is the scariest part of this to me. I mean, people in the military are trained very differently than law enforcement. It's not the same job at all. <laughs> and when, when they say that the goal is security not discipline security is those things are inherently like tied together in schools um if if it involves a student i mean there are security matters that don't like if if someone comes into the school with a weapon or, or something like that but
0: there's other times that it most, does involve a student. Yeah. Most on of, your
1: typical everyday, most security issues involve the students in the yeah, school and point. involve discipline. Yeah. Um, and so those officers or guardians <laughs> would be involved in investigating for disciplinary reasons, I think. And so if they're not meant to be involved in that, that should be like codified, in the bill, in some way, because I would not want a like retired military veteran who does not have police training, like investigating or interrogating children.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, you know, it, it, it's like I think that when they conceptualize the need for SROs, you know, you're thinking about school shootings, and I think most of the media coverage of school shootings is, like, some maniac from the community with a huge long gun invades, like, a kindergarten and shoots everybody. And that's something that happens in the United States, and it gets a lot of coverage, and it's a bad problem. Yes, we need to find ways to prevent that. If you put a cop or a guardian in every school, though, like, maybe... Maybe not. It stops that situation from happening. There's, you know, that Uvaldi shooting in Texas, there was a sworn... There was a SRO there. Did not prevent that from happening. But then you also introduce a gun to a situation for a lot of other situations. Maybe a kid brings his parents gun to school that's a really dangerous situation who's there to defuse that situation um you know if it's the the cop if it's somebody who's not trained in that situation if there's somebody who doesn't know what happens that's a loss of life potentially that you don't need to you don't need to Mm -hmm. have you know that's a real tragedy um there's other problems that arise maybe there's some other kind of altercation some sort of issue that comes along um, that is a disciplinary uh, you know action about students uh, that involving a police officer in or or involving a guardian with a gun is not great to solve so i think that they're conceptualizing this problem and finding a way that they think it will be solved and introducing a lot more problems that are are just potential to cause a, a lot of really serious tragedies so that seems to be what what uh what's on deck for us uh, this this bill's just been introduced it it has not yet even I, I guess it's been assigned to a committee. yeah, uh, it it's been assigned to the education committee um but it is it is just off the ground. Um we will see where it's going. Uh, the fact that it is a low numbered bill does likely mean that it is um, gonna start moving very soon though. so um that's s b two. Jasmine, talk to us about this Religious yeah, Liberty I Bill. I want to talk
1: about the, uh, the last bad bill of the day. Not the last bad bill, just the last one that we're going to talk about. So this is House Bill 47. It's sponsored by Steve Rawlings from Boone County, and it would expand Kentucky's RIFRA. Do you remember what RIFRA is, Robert? Res- looking at religious Freedom
0: Restoration <laughs> Act.
1: Yeah, that's it.
0: I was thinking Restoration was first. Restoration of Freedoms for the Religious Act. No, that's not right.
1: Yeah, I can only remember the acronym because it, like by saying RIFRA. Um, but we've talked we've talked about RIFRA several times before, but it's the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. But just a little bit of background After Escoda's case decided that the government could deny unemployment benefits due to a violation of a state law against using peyote. Um, In that case, the plaintiffs used peyote as part of religious ceremonies in the Native American church. Um, So after that case, Congress passed RIFRA in response and it requires that strict scrutiny be applied to any law that burdens religious freedom, um, providing that such a law can only be justified if it's the least restricted means of pursuing a compelling government interest. So that's like the strictest level of scrutiny. Another U.S. Supreme Court Later held that the portion of the federal RIFRA that also applied to state laws was unconstitutional. Um, So then it was up to states to pass their own RIFRAs to apply to state law. So now, half the state, about half the states, including Kentucky, have their own version. And our RIFRA says, Government shall not substantially burden a person's freedom of religion. The right to act or refuse to act in a manner motivated by a sincerely held religious belief may not be substantially burdened unless the government proves by clear and convincing evidence that it has a compelling government interest in infringing the specific act or refusal to act and has used the least restrictive means to further that interest. A burden shall include indirect burdens such as withholding benefits, assessing penalties, or an exclusion from programs or access to facilities. So that's the whole RIFRA statute. This new bill, House Bill 47, would create definitions of what it means to substantially burden someone's freedom of religion. Um, So it would add language that says any action that directly or indirectly constrains, inhibits, curtails, or denies the exercise of religion by any person or compels any action contrary to a person's exercise of religion. The bill would also apply to all state and now local ordinances and administrative regulations, and it creates a cause of action that would allow any individual who believes their religious liberty has been infringed upon to seek injunctive or declaratory relief as well as compensatory damages. So I think, you know, a big part of this is it includes a lot of broader language about what's a substantial burden, but it also makes the law apply to basically any law like any local ordinance administrative regulation and it like seems to allow private individuals to sue other private individuals um that's how opponents of the bill are are concerned that it, it what it they're concerned that's what this bill is going to do chris hartman the executive director of the fairness campaign He expressed concern that this law could make it easier to discriminate against LGBTQ plus Kentuckians and protect those who refuse to follow fairness ordinances. Because it extends this religious liberty protection to local ordinances as well, um, that might put these fairness ordinances in danger. So, this is a bad bill um, because I think it is going to create a lot more litigation on these, like, religious freedom issues and, like, give people a pass to discriminate. Um, Essentially, it makes RIFRA much broader, and it holds the government to the strictest standard in defending their interest in the law, which makes it, if there's going to be more lawsuits, it, it makes it hard for judges to uphold these laws and regulations under RFRA, because they're all subject to strict scrutiny, and now it applies to, like, everything.
0: Yeah, I mean, just looking at the way that this could, I mean, the way that this could work, which, you know, isn't to say that it is the way that it will work, and, you know, all that stuff, but, like, it it basically, as a business owner, or, like, if you owned a restaurant or something, and you were, like, it's against my religious, it's against my religion to, you know, to serve a gay couple, like, lunch, or something like that. Like, that could be, like, any action that directly or indirectly constrains, inhibits, curtails, or denies the exercise of religion by any person or compels any action contrary to a person's exercise of religion. Like, you know, it, I, I guess, like, there's there's a, there's an argument that would have to be made there, but basically would allow a person like that to, uh you know, make them as an individual, right, be able to, like, seek induct, injunctive relief, which I don't know exactly what that would look like but i i could see where this kind of really opens a can of worms especially Mm -hmm. around like lgbtq stuff right like I, i i you know i don't i'm not i like i can't you know allow a trans person into my dress shop or something like that like that that's the kind of thing i think that 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 you're you're getting into that the potential situation could get really 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 messy yeah 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 um, yeah I, yeah so I don't know like that's it, it passed out of committee it, it, you know there are you know some of the more moderate Republicans especially women who are voting against it but it does feel like it's at worst headed for like one of those like 60 40 type votes um like we saw with the child labor thing um where we see some of the urban uh, Republicans voting against it but but that's not enough to overcome you know some of the stuff so yeah uh I will right yeah.
1: So, it passed out a committee 14 to 6 with two of the Northern Kentucky Republicans, Kim Banta and Stephanie Dietz, joining get Democrats to vote against it. Um, but even, I think a bill like this, we'll see even, like, the a lot of the Louisville Republicans, like, supporting it because... Yeah. I don't think a lot of them are particularly like more socially moderate.
0: <laughs> well, and I think that their constituency like probably doesn't necessarily support like the Fairness Ordinance and this is really like mm-hmm. it puts puts a lot of pressure on on that for sure. Way to kind of invalidate that in in a in a kind of way. Yeah. I w- you know, there is that one um you know the the Jewish women who are suing under the Rifra to uh you know retain their abortion rights. Um, mm-hmm. Which that could be a whole another. I mean, I don't know. I guess this kind of gives them a little bit more leeway <laughs> to pursue that. Maybe a silver lining there, but definitely. yeah. I
1: mean, like we've had RIFRA for a long time, and you've always been able to sue under RIFRA. This just like codifies a lot of additional stuff.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Most of it allowing for, or uh, contemplating some really, really bad stuff happening for sure. (sighs) All right. Well, that one's bad too. So we got three, three bad bills in our belt. Um, that's enough for bad bills. I'm going to talk to us a little bit about Jamie Comer who, uh, may potentially be in a bit of trouble here. Um, so, you know, Jasmine, we have talked at length about Jamie Comer and his role as oversight chair in the house. Um, you know, in his, his quest to potentially impeach Joe Biden, um, the seat of the, you know, the the oversight committee and the, over, the chair of the oversight committee has become incredibly political in recent years, especially when Republicans have the majority. It does feel like one of those things where, like, you know, Republicans are like in inter- inter- like investigating some stuff that is moderately bad at very worst. And like Democrats get to be the oversight chair for like. Crazy things that happened during the Trump administration and people being like, well, both parties do, <laughs> I guess. So it's uh, that's kind of what I feel about it. So since gaining the gavel for the Oversight Committee, James Comer has been trying to impeach uh, President Biden pretty, pretty consistently, and it hasn't gone very well for him. Uh, Comer has been uh, on a lot of national shows like you know Fox and Friends, although he says he is not going to go on Fox and Friends anymore, I think. But he's been on a lot of like national TV shows t- touting accusations about Joe Biden and his family. Uh, and I, he actually even used up all of his time at Fancy Farm talking about Joe Biden's tax documents, which I was a little dumbfounded by. Um, last year, we mentioned that national commentators, even some conservatives, thought that Comer's efforts were embarrassing. Um, and, and at one point, you know, th- Comer threatened to hold the FBI director in contempt for refusing to release a document that is unverified, to basically uh, hold him in contempt for not releasing unverified intelligence that was just something that somebody wrote down. And actually, that's kind of the crux of what we're talking about here. Because recently, Comer found himself in hot water because an informant close to his case was arrested for lying to the FBI. The charges against that informant, whose name is Alexander Smirnov, um, they were announced by the special prosecutor who's been set up to investigate Hunter Biden. So, in addition to lying to the FBI, the, this prosecutor revealed that Smirnov was a Russian asset. Now, of course, all of this is. Is alleged. Uh, it is. It is things announced by a prosecutor. It has not gone through a court yet. Um, but this is really serious. When a special prosecutor announces that they believe and they are charging this person with lying to the FBI and being a Russian spy, uh, that that means basically, if it does come to you know pass that this is correct, that James Cover either fell prey to Russian spies. Or was using Russian spies to make the president look bad? Uh, those are, to me, the two the two outcomes that make the most sense to me.
1: Jamie. Uh, yeah. Um, uh,
0: you know, <laughs> he had one job, but it was to impeach <laughs> President Biden, who uh, probably shouldn't be impeached. So I guess it was a tough job. Um, once these allegations were made known, you know, Democrats in Congress called for Comer to end his investigation uh, and to close up shop. In his impeachment inquiry. Uh, James Comer did not do that. Some, some Democrats even called for an investigation of James Comer and some national, uh, you know liberal pundits called for james comer to resign james comer did not do either one of those things either um so and in fact instead of like closing up his investigation jim jordan who is the judiciary chair in the house and has worked very closely with james comer on the impeachment inquiry so jim jordan and, and james comer said that Shmirnov's fall from grace did not quote change the fundamental facts of the case unquote so um, that's one thing to say, but however, in the past, uh, Jim Jordan in, in like a public Setting said that Shmirnov's 1023, which a 1023 is uh, an FBI document uh, which includes yet to be verified information. So this is that this is that document that they were hold, uh, threatening to hold the FBI director in contempt over. Jim Jordan said that this document was the most corroborating piece of evidence they have. They forced it to be released, and then they s- discovered that it was Russian disinformation. Uh, that it was <laughs> put forward by a person who was lying and was in Russian asset. So. Um, that, that is what happened. Uh, when pushed about Smirnov and the impact on the case, James Comer said that Democrats were, quote, playing the Russia card, unquote, on him.
1: Um, not the Russia card. Not the
0: Russia card. I don't, you know, I, I guess what that means is that there is uh, a lot of talk about Russian disinformation. Um, but the fact is that Russian disinformation has had a significant impact on American politics in the past decade. Um, and, you know, but Republicans do typically say that Russian disinformation is an excuse given by Democrats to, to a lot of things. But to me, I think the Russia card seems to be the most appropriate card to play in this situation because James Comer was duped or is in league with Russian spies. (laughs) I, you know, I don't know. I don't think he's actually in league with Russian spies, but I mean, the evidence is pointing to some really awkward situations where it's like... Yeah, I would...
1: I might give him the benefit of the doubt and say he was duped.
0: Yeah, yeah, that seems like the more likely situation. This really pointed to something that he really wanted to be true, uh, and and he was willing to go along with it, despite it coming out that it was a Russian spy who gave that information to him. Um, that is motivated reasoning at its finest. Um but yeah it, it 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 definitely opens the door to people asking questions like that and I think at this point questions like that are definitely appropriate. However, it seems likely that these allegations will have no impact on Comer's investigation. Uh, while his investigation is being widely covered, nobody seems to be taking it that seriously, I don't think.
1: Yeah, he he's probably just going to keep going. Uh,
0: and, like, please pay attention to me. That was kind of with the Fancy Farm thing. Um,
1: guys, I know, I know I messed up with
0: the, the Russian, Russian guys
1: spy. and everything, <laughs> but...
0: Yeah, um you know, I don't know. This is It's an extremely cynical investigation. It, it doesn't seem like there's any bear there, um, but they are pushing forward because, I guess because Democrats impeached President Trump, who was doing stuff that was really, you know, shady, <laughs> involving Ukraine and also creating an insurrection uh, that, you know, that, uh, uh, sack the capital, um, but you know I guess Republicans wanted to get their impeachment off as well. Um, you know I think that this type of cynical nonsense investigation done by Republicans of Democratic presidents are used to discredit current, and I also think they're they're set up to to discredit future Democratic investigations, specifically of Donald Trump. He's done a lot of extremely corrupt things. Um, But if he becomes president again, Democrats are going to want to investigate these things. And creating a situation where you're doing this investigation that's nonsense, it creates this, like you know, kind of thought in the the electorate and, and you know, people who don't pay close attention that like, oh, yeah, th- just both sides do these kind of investigations all the time, despite the fact that when it's under Joe Biden, there's nothing that they're actually investigating. It's just a bunch of nonsense. And when Donald Trump is being investigated, it's because he tried to bribe the Ukrainian president, you know, like that's that's, that's yeah. the situation we find ourselves in. So that's James Comer I, you know I don't think he's truly in any amount of real trouble he's not going to lose a seat he's not going to be asked to resign the oversight chair but he just looks exceedingly silly uh and is making Kentucky look extremely bad any questions about James Comer Jasmine
1: no Robert I I think you covered that and I think he's just gonna keep keep going doing what he can doing his thing <laughs> <laughs> uh and, yeah you know he's gonna keep Getting elected in Kentucky as long as he wants to, probably too.
0: (laughs) Yeah, District 1. He can live in Frankfurt and get elected by the voters there in Fulton County because that's how we do things. Uh all right. Uh, there, there's just one small thing I wanted to mention before we leave and that's the Anthony Piagentini trial has begun. That is the trial to remove Metro Councilman Anthony Piagentini and his trial started yesterday. Yesterday as of now is February the 26th. That was a Monday. Um there were a few fireworks in the first, you know, day of the the trial including the attorney prosecuting the case asking Metro Council if they were serious about their code of ethics. And then Piagentini's lawyer likening Piagentini to Phil Connors in Groundhog Day for having to go through multiple trials um, of this. I, I don't think he mentioned that he was found guilty in all of the trials that he's experienced <laughs> so far. So, like, ah, uh, why do we have to go through finding him guilty again? <laughs> Can't we just get to the part where nothing happens? Uh, so that is that is where we're at with this. This trial is going to continue for a little bit. We'll probably talk some more about this. There will be more developments this week. Um, yeah, again, it, it all comes down to politics. I think the Democrats are going to have to peel off at least one Republican who's going to vote to remove Anthony Piagentini. As of right now, it doesn't seem likely that that's going to happen. But who knows? Maybe this trial will open some eyes. Jasmine, any questions about Anthony Piagentini? No. Nope. Not yet. All right. Well, then tell us how people can get a hold of us.
1: They can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Pod. They can like our Facebook page and listen to our podcast on the podcast app of their choice. We also have a sporadic newsletter you can subscribe to at tinyletter.com slash my old Kentucky newsletter. And we have a Patreon page where you can support what we're doing, telling you about all these bad bills. You can do that at patreon.com/slash my old Kentucky Podcast. And last but not least, we're part of the DimCast Network and the Forward Kentucky Network.
0: All right, everybody. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next week.